By the way, our students were not dancing. That, that's Christian aerobics. That's what they were doing at camp. So. That was Super Summer two weeks ago. Had a great week and another great week at camp. You'll be seeing more about that in the days to come. There are some well-designed structures in this world and some amazing, talented architects who designed them. If you make a list of uh, the greatest, best-designed buildings or structures in the world, you're going to find a, a couple of those will keep coming up on all the lists, usually at the top of the lists. One of those is the Harpa Concert Hall in Reykjavik, Iceland. It's an asymmetrical structure with a skin of LED lighting that illuminates the glass and the steel. And at night, it, it lights up against the, the backdrop of the northern lights in the sky. Absolutely gorgeous. Another structure you're going to see on the best designed buildings in the world is usually the Burj Khalifa in, in Dubai. It's the tallest structure in the world currently today, a little over 2,700 feet. About 162 floors of offices and restaurants and residences and a hotel, and all of it is wrapped in a glass curtain of steel that, that shimmers in the Arabian sunlight. Again, beautiful. So as I was thinking about these well-designed structures, I was thinking, how do you design a life? How do you design a life that is one of the best lived in all the world? Is there a set of blueprints? Is there a design that shows you how? Actually, there is. It's the book of Proverbs, the Old Testament. A design uh, that the great architect of life gave to us, blueprints, how to live your life well. So, we're beginning this morning a five-Sunday sermon series on, from the book of Proverbs. How do you live a life well? How do you design your life to, so it operates in the best possible way? We see a lot of lives that are being lived that are frustrated. But how do you live well? So, there are five themes that keep recurring through the book of Proverbs on how to live your life well. And so, for five Sundays, we're going to look at one theme per Sunday, put those all together, and see a picture of how to live your life in the best possible way that God designed it. So, we're going to be looking at that. Week number one, we're going to be looking at the aspect of the tongue, and we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But before we do, first of all, I want to mention, all the way through the book of Proverbs, you notice a theme. There is one word that's the undercurrent all the way through. It's a Hebrew word. It's a Hebrew word that meant so much to Hebrews back centuries ago. means a lot to Hebrews today. In fact, in, in fact if you go to, to Israel today and talk to Jews, this one word will keep coming up over and over because they feel like it is one of the words of life that you must to, to live to sustain your life in the best possible way. And so the word is, you'll see it on the screen, chokmah. Chokmah, or as Jews, they pronounce the guttural, chokmah. Chokmah means wisdom. 
So all the way through Proverbs, you see the word translated wisdom, wisdom. But actually, you'll see it is a skill to determine the way in which God has designed your life. Jews are really big on chokmah. In fact, there's a group of Jewish mystics called the Kabbalah, and they have put together what's called a sephiro. A sephiro is a, it's a little structure. It's got a word at the top. There are ten words that form it. Kind of comes down to a triangle at the bottom with the tenth word down here, first word at the top, and ten words they feel like that undergirds life. Word number two, second most important word, chokmah. And you see it over and over. But what's interesting is the Hebrew word chokmah is best translated into English not as wisdom, but as skill. Let me stop for a moment. Have you ever considered that living your life in the best possible way is a skill? Whenever you started your job, they, they trained you certain skills that they were training you in. Have you ever stopped to think living life well is something that you must work at, develop? as a skill. It doesn't just happen. To live life well is a skill. Now, the Hebrews believe that life has a, a pattern to it. Greeks didn't believe that. They were much more philosophical and theoretical theories. But, but Hebrews, the, the Jews are not that way. They believe that life has a structure, an orderliness. God created an orderliness into life. And so if you figure out how to live in this orderliness, you're going to live a life well. That's what they believe. Now our culture is the opposite of chokmah. Our culture is you do you. You're unique. You're an individual. You decide what pronoun you want to be. You decide your gender. You decide your orientation. What works best for you is what's right for you. That's the opposite of chokmah. Chokmah is, is God has designed the universe with an orderliness and a plan and a set of blueprints. And if you live your life with those blueprints, you live it good. So, for five Sundays, we're going to look at this design, this chokmah, this skill. And the first concept that appears over and over and over in Proverbs is the power of the tongue, your speech, the words that come out of your mouth. 31 times in Proverbs, we're told about our mouth and the words that come out. 31. There are 31 chapters, so, so it averages about once every chapter, God brings in something about the design of life is related to your words and your speech. So I want you to listen to what one of the passages of Proverbs says about your tongue. Chapter 18, verse 21, read with me. Death and life 
are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. By the way, the word death there is death by violence. Not just living your life and dying a peaceful old person. A violent death. Violent death, and the word life there means a flourishing green tree. So, so look at the imagery. Death by violence and a beautiful flourishing tree are all in the power of what comes out of your mouth. If you're wise, you'll eat its fruits. So this morning, let's, let's talk about how do we live life well in our speech. First of all, letter A on your outline, uh, what God has said about the tongue. What has God said about our tongues? He says, in order to live life well, you need to develop the skill of watching what you say. Oh, preacher, I, I just, I say what's on my mind. Everybody knows exactly where I stand. You don't have to worry about where I stand, I'll tell you. Boy, that's the most ungodly thing I've ever heard. It is. The Bible never tells you to speak your mind and everybody knows what you, yeah, I don't say that. In fact, whenever somebody says that, you know a couple of things. You know that first of all, they're very arrogant. They're very selfish. They're very proud. The Bible never says a godly person tells you exactly what's on their mind. We say it is a virtue, not a virtue. Now this morning, everything I tell you, um, you know. I'm not going to tell you anything new today. Really not. You know it all. It's just that we don't believe it. We don't believe that our words are that powerful. And we don't really believe that it's that big of a sin. And I know that because you've told me that. Every church I've ever been in, I've had members say, Pastor, I know I talk more than I should and, and say things I shouldn't, but if that's the worst thing I, I do, I'm doing pretty good. No, it's one of the worst things you can have. That's what the Bible says. The worst things you can have is a sharp tongue. But you see, in, in churches, this has become a sin that we're comfortable with. We, we would never, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm Baptist. I'm not going to go to a club and, and drink. I'm not going to do drugs. I'm not going to commit adultery. I'm going to come to church and Sunday school, and I don't mind gossiping. It's, it's one of those sins that we, we've sanitized. But God doesn't think the same about your tongue that we do. He says it's a problem. And you know this morning, if, if you're a born-again believer in Jesus and you're on the road to heaven and God rescued you off the road to hell and put you on the road to heaven you no longer have the right to say what you want. Now, if you're lost this morning, you let her rip. You say whatever you want. But if you're saved, you're bought with a price. You're not your own. You're somebody else's. And he said, 
Watch your words. So whenever I chose to follow Christ, I gave up the right to say what I want, when I want, to whomever I want. Jesus' brother, James, well, half-brother, they had the same moms, they had different dads. James said that your, your tongue is powerful. He says it's only a small member of your body, and it is. It's only three inches long. Well, okay, there's a, the longest tongue in the world is by a guy in California. He's got four inches of tongue, but, but three inches at the most. It's not a very large part of your body. James says it's like a ship. A huge vessel, and it's a little bitty rudder that, that determines which direction it goes. And he says, that's your tongue, a small member. But determines so many things. James also says your tongue is poison. It is a forest fire out of control. And the match, he said, is hell. That's what James said about the tongue. Have you ever met somebody, uh, this happened to me not long ago, in fact, you meet somebody and, and the first appearance is, men, they're sharp. I mean, they, your first impression is this is a really sharp person. You know, they, they're, they're very impressive, and they're sharp. And, you're, and you're, your first image in your mind is, wow, this person's really sharp. And then they open their mouth, and it blows the image. They start cursing like a sailor, or they're very negative, and they're bitter, and they're insulting, and they're hatred. And it just blows your whole image, and you go, whoa, there's a little toxic going on here. Has that ever happened to you? Your whole image of a person's changed when they open their mouth. You see, the Bible teaches us that there is a direct correlation between your mouth and your spiritual life, your heart. Jesus said, Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So your mouth is only articulating what your heart has already declared. That's all it's doing. I'm around people and they're cursed. Oh, excuse me, pardon my French, pastor. That's not French, that's the language of your heart. You can try to stop it. You can't. Because of what's in here. Negative, bitter, insulting, gossiping, anger, when those come out. That's what's in here. It's very easy to see your heart. Listen to somebody talk. You'll see their heart. Now, I want us to look at some Proverbs about what it says about our tongue. Letter B on your outline. I want us to look at the tongue of destruction first. The tongue of destruction. Six passages. Look at them quickly. Passage number one, six twelve. Look at it on the screen. Chapter six, verse twelve of Proverbs. A worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech. Now, if you put that together in, in the Hebrew, it literally means a good-for-nothing person. How would you like to be one the Bible describes as a good-for-nothing? A good-for-nothing person proceeds with crooked or distorted speech. Look at the next one. 
chapter 11, verses 9, 12, and 13. With his mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor. The word destroy means to mar or to spoil or ruin something. Would, would destroy his neighbor, but by knowledge, by the way, the word knowledge there literally means skill. But by skill or knowledge, the righteous are delivered. Look at verse 12. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. How many of you have somebody said something to you years ago and you've never forgotten it? Might have been a parent, might have been a grandparent, might have been a school teacher. Might have been a coach. Might have been a coworker, spouse, but they said something to you and it cut to the core and you've never forgotten. Probably all of us, I have. Probably every one of us. And Proverbs warns us about being that person who says it. And if you are, the Bible calls you worthless. We forget a lot of things that happen to us. Sometimes words stick and never leave. Look at the next one, chapter 16, verses 27, 28. A worthless man plots evil. The word plot there means to excavate or dig something out of the ground. A worthless man plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. Scorching fire in Hebrew literally meant a scab, a scar after a scab leaves that remains. Speech is a scar that's left. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer, literally means tail-bearer, separates close friends. How many friendships have been pulled apart by something somebody said? They said this about them, but don't tell anybody, and it gets back to them, and best friends separated because of a tail-bearer somewhere else. Go to the next one. Chapter 18, verse 7. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. The word snare, there's a fishing term. It means to bait a hook. It means to cast a lure. You're hoping to catch something, and a fool's lips catches his soul. The imagery is powerful in Proverbs about our speech. Look at the next one, chapter 25, verse 23. The north wind brings forth rain, and a backbiting tongue brings angry looks. Countenance, face, backbiting. It means secret hiding place. So in other words, whatever you secretly whisper to somebody over here, it brings angry looks. 
Well, preacher, I didn't say it to their, to their, to their face. I, I said it in the privacy of my home. That's why Proverbs says in another place, don't secretly slander your neighbor. It doesn't matter where you say it. And look at the last one, chapter 26, verse 20. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no tailbearer, quarreling ceases. Get this picture. Fire's going. When you don't keep putting wood on it, it goes out. Have you ever noticed there are certain people, something's always stirred up around them? Their drama follows, follows them around. You ever notice that? Drama follows certain people around. Something's always stirred up. Something's always going. Something's always wrong. Something's all, there's something, something all the time. You know why? They keep putting wood on it. Keep your mouth shut. The fire goes out because the wood's gone. These are pretty good pictures in the Bible. So that's the tongue of destruction. Now let's look at the tongue of blessing. Six passages. Look at these quickly. The first one, chapter 10, verse 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The mouth of the righteous where pleasant things come out, it's a flourishing tree. By the way, you remember when I said hokmah was the second most important word in all of Israel? You know what the first one is? Tree of life. Keter. Crown. Tree of life. So Proverbs tells us that person who has righteous words that come out of their mouth, uplifting words, words that don't crush your spirit, those words are a fountain of life. Refreshing in the desert. They're good. Look at the second one, chapter 13, verse 3. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Do you remember uh, several months ago I preached a sermon series through Deuteronomy and it was Moses' last words. He was standing there and he was telling the people his, his final farewell. And we went through a six-week series. And if, if you remember, we talked a lot about the Hebrew word shamar. It was in almost every word, every uh, phrase that, that Moses spoke somewhere was shamar. And it means to guard, and it was the picture. Remember that picture of the dog guarding his food, and somebody walks near it, and you know, you remember that? When it says the wise person guards his lips, it's the word shamar. The wise person guards his lips and what he says carefully, and he doesn't let anybody bait him into saying things that are inappropriate. You guard it. But the fool. Opens his lips wide. He comes to ruin. Washington Irving said, the tongue is the only instrument that gets sharper the more you use it. 
All, the, all, all other instruments get more dull. You have to sharpen them. Not the tongue. The more you use it, sharper it gets. Look at the next one. Chapter 25, verse 23. I'm sorry, chapter 15, 1 through 4. A soft answer turns away wrath. By the way, the word soft there means delicate or tender. Delicate, tender answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in, its, in it breaks the spirit. I'm going to say what I want to say, and everybody knows where I stand. Did you see what he said about that? The soft answer turns away wrath. But the arrogant, proud, I'm going to say what I want to say, it's destructive. If you look at this, gentle, wholesome, curing, healing promotes a green, alive, flourishing tree of words. How many of you have had your spirit crushed? I mean spirit crushed. By words. We all have. So, give a soft, delicate answer. Chapter 15, verse 23, look at the next one. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man. And a word in season, how good it is. If you go to Israel with us, whenever we go, we, we go once a year, and, and not get into this year, but, but 2024 20, we will, you'll hear the phrase in Israel a lot, Matov, Matov, Matov. You see, in Hebrew it means how good it is. They'll look at the morning, Matov, oh, Matov or sunset. How good it is, how rich it is, how pleasant. They say it all the time, Matov. And here they said in Proverbs, when somebody has a word aptly spoken at the right time, matov. How many of you have had, you've had one of those days, rough, things are going, you're discouraged about yourself, you're down on life, and somebody comes along and they say just the right thing that lifts you up. Man, those people are valuable. They make, your, they make you flourish again. Matov. So good you came along. Look at the next one. 21 verse 23. Whoever keeps his mouth. There's the word keep. It's Shamar again. Whoever guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Boy, that's right, isn't it? The word trouble there in Hebrew is interesting. It's the picture of a ship going between rocks, like through a strait. And the rocks, they feel pressed because they don't want to hit either side. And, and then they get through, it's like they can relax. It's the picture of straits of a ship. Eey, you're in a tight spot. How many times have your words got you in a tight spot? That's what he's saying here. Whoever keeps his mouth and his 
tongue stays out of those tight spots of trouble. And then the last one, 25-11. A word fitly spoken, that means at the right time, a word at the right time is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. The word picture, the use there is it's a picture frame. It's, it literally means showpiece. Whenever somebody comes along at the right time, says the right word that lifts your spirit up, whoo, that's like a pictured frame. It's beautiful. So there are two last images of the tongue, Proverbs. One of them, 1728, that says, even a fool seems wise when he keeps his mouth shut. That's true, isn't it? What's the old phrase, don't open your mouth and everybody thinks you're a fool instead of opening it and removing all doubt or something like that? That's what he's saying here. Even a fool, when he keeps his mouth shut, seems wise. And then the last picture is chapter 30. very last thing that the, the proverb says about the tongue is, chapter 30, verse 28, it says, if you can't help it, put a hand over it and walk around like this. That's what Proverbs says. Put a hand over your mouth and just go through life. If you just can't help yourself. Wow, what pictures of the hokma of life your tongue plays. Your mouth, sharp, destroying, hurtful. Or words aptly spoken season of time and you flourish I was a little boy I had the flu they thought and uh, my sister took me to the doctor I got there and the doctor says stick out your tongue and say ah and I thought how ridiculous is this my tongue's fine my body hurts came home and I remember telling my mom I had to go and oh he's terrible terrible doctor doesn't know anything how come he had me stick out my tongue and say ah yeah I told him my tongue's not hurting my body is but you see I was I was too young and immature to realize that they can tell a lot by your health of your body by the appearance of your tongue and that's why they make you say ah and look at it I, I didn't know that if, if your tongue has white patches on it, you, you may have an infection, your immune system's compromised somehow, maybe a bacteria. If your tongue has a brownish tint to it, you have an infection or virus, possibly. If your tongue has a blackish tint to it, very well could be diabetes. If your tongue is bright red, it's not supposed to be bright red, it's supposed to be pinkish with a few bumps on it, that's normal. If it's bright red, it's a vitamin deficiency, usually B3. If your tongue is smooth with no bumps, you're lacking nutrients, iron, folic acid. If your tongue is lumpy and white, it could be cancer. You see, they can tell a lot about what's in here just by looking at your tongue. And I, I was too immature to know that. And the same is true spiritually. You can tell an awful lot about what's in here, a deep condition of your health, 
what comes out of your mouth. And if this is diseased, this is diseased. I hope that you're not spiritually too immature to see that. So design your life to be lived well by developing these skills the skill of saying the right words at the right time and keeping our mouth shut at the wrong time. Let's pray together. Father, this is a hard passage because I, we're all guilty at times. Lord, help me as a, as a man, as a child of yours, God, to say timely, apt words that bring health and flourishing. And God, help me to have the skill to keep my mouth shut when those words are damaging and destructful and crushing. So God, help me to live life well in my speech. Lord, I, I pray during this invitation time that you'll help every decision that needs to be made to be made. I pray for those people that have never come to the place in their life to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. God, that's the most important decision. And may today be the day they make that decision. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.